You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 5720 Ridge Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. So a, a little while ago, I was advised to get an endoscopy done. Endoscopy. That's with the esophagus. Um, I generally trust my doctor's recommendation, and, and so I, I set up an appointment. A few weeks later, I decided to call and, how, and ask how much it, it actually cost. I'm not as naive as I look. Uh, I, I, I checked it out um, and made sure that this other doctor, the specialist, was, was in network, was in my network. And uh, I was fairly confident it wouldn't cost too much if, because that was, that was the case. Uh, so I went and had the procedure done. Uh, before I did, though, I called. See, this is next level stuff, you know. I call. I called the uh, the doctor's office, which I haven't done before, and I paid the price for that. I called the specialist and asked, "How much is this going to cost me?" You know, because they didn't tell me. You know, <laughs> said, "Go do it, and then you'll pay maybe." You know, probably something. And I called, and, and uh, she said, "Oh, I don't know." So I rephrased my question, and I said, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> And, 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 and she said, well, we have to send the bill to the insurance, and then they take off whatever they want, which seems kind of arbitrary to me, and then they, they will send a bill to me. It actually, they, they actually don't know how much I pay. And, uh, and I, so I was like, well, that's not really satisfactory. I want to know what I'm going to pay, you know, like, well, at least an idea. And so I, I, I rephrased it again and, uh, and, and asked, well, what is, what is the cost that, you'll, that you're going to charge them, you know, what's at the most I'm going to pay if they say zero, you know, and that wasn't satisfactory either, but at least I got an answer to my question. And if you think that sounds shady, it, then we, we think alike, because I, I think that's real shady. Uh, but even a more distressing experience I've had with the healthcare system is the one time I went to get a sleep study done at the recommendation of my primary care physician. Um, being in network still, and I got an enormous bill in the mail like two weeks after I got it done. It's like, what? I had no idea. They should at least advertise this might break your bank, you know? <laughs> Me personally, I have an insurance through my job and it's kind of decent. You know, I haven't paid too much so far out of, out of pocket for health care. But I also have a security net I can fall into. And not, not only the community here, which, which Circle has a mutual fund that we, that we all give to a little bit, that, that, uh, that if there is an emergency that you're having, you can ask for help, and we will. We'll just give you money if you, have, if you need it, you know. Um, but I also, my, my parents are pretty comfortably middle class, and so if, if I ever get into, like, a, a really intense financial bind, I'm, I'm not really too worried, you know, ab about that happening to me. But sadly, that, that actually isn't the case for many, for many Americans. The Department of Health and Human Services supports this point when they say that, that low-income individuals, there we go, are especially sensitive to even nominal increases in medical out-of-pocket costs, and modest co-payments can have the effect of reducing access to necess necessary medical care. In fact, this year, the American Journal of Public Health indicates that medical expenses push millions of Americans below the federal poverty line. Of 7 million people who make more than 150%, 7 million people who make more than 150% of the poverty level, 4 million of those Americans are pushed into the ranks of extreme poverty. In America, we've married not only the church to capitalism, 
as I talked about a while back, but also our health care. One might be tempted to consider that maybe health care is just expensive. Maybe it's because technology is top-notch and, and, uh, and, and, and medicine is complex. Maybe it has to be expensive. Maybe that's true. But the United States, we take it to another level. For example, last year, Sarah Cliff wrote a story, in a story for, uh, for Vox where she found, on average, an MRI in the United States cost about $1,100. That same scan costs $500 in Switzerland and $200 in Australia. It's not just about technology. The considering data from the, also from the nonprofit Commonwealth Fund, it's no wonder why Americans go to the doctor significantly less frequently than other developed countries. The data show on average that Americans go to the doctor, as you can see, four times uh, annually. Dutch people, about eight, which is a collection of, of countries. Germans make about 10 annual trips, and Japanese, 13 doctor visits a year, which is more than three times the frequency of, of, of the United States people in, in the US. And so, and so the reality is, I think, that, that it, and this, this points to it well, that, that, that the US pays just more than any other country for, for, health, for healthcare. But, and per capita, so that's per person. So this, 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 uh, this is gonna be easier if I do this in point. The, uh, the United States is over here. You can't really see my dot, but it's all the way to the right. On the bottom, as you get more to the right, it, it's increasing in dollars per person, per capita. And on the left, you have uh, eight life expectancy. And so when, if you look, we're not even the top of, like, we don't even live the longest. You know, we're paying enormous amounts more than, uh, than, than our, our other developed countries. and, and all countries, and we're not even at the top of, of, of living long, which probably wouldn't even be justifiable even if we were, you know, pay that much. It's ridiculous. And so th this, this, I think, is, is a symptom, actually, of, of something, uh, a current that pushes through our country, and, and I'm not going to talk about capitalism much more, but I could, because that's, that's also a part of what, this, what, what the issue is here. But I want to switch gears and talk about the Greek philosopher Plato. Uh, he had an enormous and lasting influence on Western society uh, and philosophy. This idea that all material is bad and all immaterial is good was popularized by him, and immaterial isn't like spiritual. Uh, it, it was pop that idea was popularized by him, and it has questionable, if not outright wrong, implications for Christians. We are a people who care about the physicality of existence because God not only cares about it, but he created it. God created and declared our goodness. And so what happens when we buy into this Platonic dualism? As Ross Hastings, an influential missiologist, notes, we are led outside of the context of care for whole persons and outside of the pursuit of social justice of communities and nations. In general, it seems that evangelicals have in some way tended to prize the spiritual over the incarnational dynamics of life. Which, for us as, as a body, as a community, the Circle of Hope, we, we have been deeply informed by, by this idea of being incarnational, as our, as our, our proverbs indicate. And in doing so, we, we, we miss, by missing that, we miss a proper integration of, of science and arts with theology. We lack concern for the poor, we see no purpose in education, and very little in health or, or environmental care. 
when we accept this worldview, we miss what is supreme in God's self-revelation, the incarnation of Jesus. God's self-revelation is ultimately a human, complete with body and all. Incarnation reaffirms what God had said about his creation in Genesis 1, that it, it is good. And the apostle and physician, Luke, in wanting to cement the understanding that God is not done with the physical even after death, shows us a Jesus who gets hungry and, and can be touched. He eats. And would somebody read this? Can, can you see that? Do you want me to read it? Thanks. While they were saying all this, Jesus appeared to them and said, Peace be with you. They thought they were seeing a ghost and were scared half to death. He continued with them, Don't be upset, and don't let all these doubting questions take over. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's really me. Touch me. Look me over from head to toe. A ghost doesn't have muscle and bone like this. As he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. They still couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was too much. It seemed too good to be true. He asked, do you have any food here? They gave him a piece of leftover fish they had cooked. He took it and ate it right before their eyes. Thanks, Phil. That was Luke 24. If you can't see that, uh, 36 through 43, if that matters to you. Um, the resurrection of Jesus in a real, physical those spiritually oriented body confirmed that message, anticipating that the future of humanity is not a perpetual disembodiment, but the immaterial spirit soul and physical body together in a new creation. And so what, what are the implications of a call like this to better hold together the spiritual and physical? Like, what does that mean for us? I think, I think there are several including eating well and, and trying to, to stay physically active. And of course, we could care for the environment more. God seems to think it is good, after all. And, and each of those points could have their own talk. But there, there are two points that I want to make, one of which doesn't get talked about often, and I think it should. First, I think we need to be respectful to, to each other's bodies as much as we are, if not more than we are to our own. And what, what I mean is, well, and maybe, you ha maybe you're like me, and you've, you've learned this lesson, that lesson, uh, the hard way. Maybe you haven't had to suffer the dehumanizing eff effects of unhealthy uh, sexuality and, and, uh, and physical relating to each other. But I want to offer two ideas on this. To the, to the gentleman, I want, I want, I want to offer, when, when you're wanting to engage in physical intimacy from holding hands all the way to having sex, have what is called a DTR first, or defining the relationship talk. Have a conversation with the one that you're interested in about where you both stand in regard to each other and what you have in mind for the future. It's perfectly acceptable to say something like, our, our friendship has grown quite a bit lately. Can we talk about that? Might be intimidating at first, but that's pretty easy to, to do. And just, and just go from there. What are your hopes and concerns in the relationship? And this conversa that conversation actually led to my marriage, just, just saying. And ladies, and I say this with humility and reverence, please be mindful that men in our culture are constantly bombarded with images of sex that dehumanize us and you. 
We have a lot of unlearning to do while we try to relate to ourselves and you in sincerely respectful ways. Please forgive us. And make sure you thought about your boundaries also so that you can communicate them when you need to. Moving on. Second, it seems to me that, that we who come from evangelical backgrounds have lost the fact that prayer is, is a deeply physical activity. Our Western American Christianity has largely taught us that for prayer, you need to be in a certain detached, we'll say, mindset. One that usually looks calm and contemplative. And when we come to a difficult situation or we encounter a vice temptation, we consider how God might offer consolation, but then don't feel like putting that emotionally detaching work in to get to him. Going to God is too hard. And so we easily go to something else, usually physical. Am I I right? Maybe what we need to do instead is to take a couple steps back from the isolated spiritual experience that prayer has largely been by engaging God in a physical way. And let me be clear, too. I don't want to, through silence, diminish the importance of silence and solitude as necessary disciplines. I mention those practices more in depth in other talks, which you can find on Circle's podcast or SoundCloud. This is simply an aspect of prayer I feel like we need to turn up the volume on. And in talkback, I'd love to hear how you connect with God the easiest, whether different or similar uh, to these examples. That being said, when we think of prayer as only spiritual or as having a rigid structure, we participate in a fraction of the substance Jesus offers us in the Holy Spirit. Prayer can be quiet, solitary, peaceful, sure. And to be honest, those are some of the most powerful times for me. But if we're being honest, how much does that prayer actually reflect our lives? Look Look at the Psalms and see the intensity. Not only are these prayers introspective, but they're reflective of reality in its, in its deepest sense. And at the risk of contributing to our already overly individualistic tendencies, maybe some of you can improve on what I'm about to offer here by making them more communal in expression. I'd really appreciate that. Here are some ways that we can begin to engage in, in prayer physically. So first, I'd like to take a vulnerable step and share how I've been praying lately. And one is praying using tokens, uh, using items, physical things. Um, An example is whenever I put on my wedding ring, and this has been the last couple weeks, Haisa, my wife, has been in Lancaster, and so we've we've been uh, uh, learning how to investigate or how to um, work our relationship uh, uh, while being apart. Whenever I put on my wedding ring, I, I pray a small prayer for our marriage, for my wife and myself, whatever we need. It doesn't take much longer than actually just putting it on. But, but, but I, I really like the practice, and it, it's, uh, it's been helpful for me as she's not around, you know, to believe that she's okay and to believe that, um, that I actually, I'm loving her even when she's not here. Um, and I really believe that God is doing something in our relationship when we do that, when I do that. I also have been using cologne lately, and and I never used to use it, Um, middle school and high school, to be honest, and and way too much, to to be more honest. (laughs) Except a few weeks ago, again, when Haisa left, I started started and began praying with with the spray that 
I would be the fragrance of Christ. It's a, it's a verse from uh, a passage from from First or Second Corinthians. Um, but that idea that 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 the love of Christ would be would be like a fragrance uh, uh, emulating off of me. Is that the right word? Uh, you know what I'm saying. Um, at at work and at home and in my community. Again, it's a, it's a short prayer, but but throughout the day I might smell, I might get a waft, you know, of, of my, my cologne and, and, uh, and maybe I'll say another prayer then. Or maybe I'll just remember uh, Christ. And I, I think that's really helpful. So another way is, is, is to pray engaging your environment. So prayer, I, I hear a lot of examples of people that go on runs, people go uh, exercise, people who, who, who paint or draw. Um, they, and, and, and with this kind of mindset, it's hard to even describe unless you're, you're somebody who does that. Again, talk back would be good to hear about your experience. But, but these kind of ways that we engage our environment and, the, and, the, and things around us in a prayerful posture uh, could be pretty significant. It could, you, could, you, could even, you could even try this if you don't do it already. You could go on a prayer walk um, around your office building, maybe. Maybe during the lunch hour, you know. Or it could be where you live. You could walk through your house and, and pray. You could go to your kids, uh, to where your kids go to school or daycare, walk around there and pray. I mean, and literally anywhere that you feel connected to or you, maybe you want to be connected to. Um, prayer walks are a good way to, uh, to engage with God in a way that is actually a, a tangible, not so detached medium. Um, and again, there's other ways that you could engage uh, in your environment. Love to hear some. And finally, uh, prayer using short repetition. Uh, this, is, this has been helpful helpful to me, and even taking, an odd, taking a bit from, uh, from contemplative prayer, of where, or centering prayer, rather, where you use a word or phrase to bring yourself back to the presence of God. This is kind of using a word or phrase that you can just almost, not like a curse word, but, we, but, but if, if that helps you remember it, then, then, then use it that way. But whenever you feel these emotions well up in you, to, to, to have a phrase or a word could be, Lord Jesus, have mercy, or here I am, or you are here. You know, any, any, anything, anything that evokes a memory that you use to connect to whatever it is that you're doing, to the deep reality that God is present with you. And so hopefully what I've done here is to give you ways to slow down in our instant gratification culture and fast-paced lifestyles to engage in God with God in some way. And so... In conclusion, you may be wondering, what does prayer have to do with healthcare? Why did I start that way? Well, the, t- the testimony, it does. It does, Paul. The testimony of the Gospels indeed of Christ, and of, indeed of Christ is that God is at work in our world. The incarnation is proof of that, that God is always working to restore what is broken and is inviting us into that work. Prayer is how we attend to that divine invitation. I'm giving you a lot of options to choose from, to try to do. You can try them all, maybe more that you think of. But what you really need to know is that, and what you really need to know, it's not contradictory, is that you're doing your best. If you're doing your best, you're, you're doing just fine. Life is complex and can be really difficult. 
I think part of why Jesus is so captivating is that he speaks directly to that hardship. In fact, this must be what the truth is, that the creator of the universe would become human, live like us, and die like us to show us that it's okay, that we're okay, and that we will be okay. We need each other also to, to see that love, to be reminded of, of that love, that that's present with us. And we need Christ to experience the joy that that life really offers, or that life really offers. And so in all your striving this week, all of our striving this week, all of the running back and forth from after-school programs or work meetings or friends' houses, as you go to Thanksgiving in two weeks, uh, or not, remem remember that it's all, it's all grace. God is with us always. And there isn't, there isn't something you can do or not do that's going to change that reality. We, we, the idea is to become more aware of it. We're just doing the best we can. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.